Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal, where we celebrate everything that Naughty's football had to offer. My name is Rich Williams. Joining me today, Planet Football Editor, Mark Holmes. All right. We're good. Uh, Planet Football Deputy Editor, uh, who initially muted the WhatsApp group for this podcast and then didn't bother turning up for an episode, so I'm not sure whether we should be taking a hint or not. Rob Conlon. It's still muted. I'm just waiting to get tagged in, that's it. The only way you respond to anything is if we at Rob Conlon on the group and then you respond to it. And that's always the least important chat as well. I know know my place. And uh, our special guest today is a Liverpool supporting comedian whose website simply says, hello, please buy tickets to my tour Thank you. It's the incredibly polite and well-mannered Alfie Brown. Welcome. Hey, yes. If anybody could heed that advice, that would be absolutely <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yes, don't just read it. Go ahead yeah. and actually book the tickets as well. Before we start anything, it is the Broken Metatarsal we ask all our guests, and this is the first time you've joined us on the podcast, whether they have any connections to metatarsals other than owning them uh, whatsoever, whether they've had, had a broken one, uh, an injury to one, or been to a football game where a player has had an injured metatarsal. Can you uh, throw anything into the party? I have no, no, I have nothing uh, to offer. Although when you kept on saying metatarsal just then, I was trying to unpack the etymology of it in my brain, and I, it led me to the uh, query of what a tarsal is, because of course, <laughs> meta is to carry, as in a metaphor, you carry the meaning of a word for. So a tarsal, you must be carrying. Is it are you the tarsal, and these are the bones that, that carry, carry you, you along? Yeah. I mean, I already feel like we're on a different level. <laughs> I like this. this. Is this is the most highbrow start to uh, any podcast we've Susie ever done? Dent on. <laughs> what is it? If anyone would like to let us know, uh, contact at planetfootball.com. If you know what a tarsal is, there's a sentence I never thought I would say. Each episode, we dig into one element of the noughties. from the sublime to the ridiculous. Today, we look at one of the biggest single-season trophy halls of the noughties when Sammy and Stefan stood firm at the cop. Gerard's glorious emergence, majestic. Gary Mack, Owen Fowler, and a team that would be twice crowned in Cardiff only to cap off their domestic success during a ding-dong night in Dortmund where they were destined for European divinity. Take yourself back to the opening main season of the noughties when Liverpool did the treble. So there you go, the year that Liverpool did the treble, 2000 into 2001. And Alfred, when you, you sort of look back and listen to commentary and relive that, how does it initially make you feel? Because of the age I was when in the year 2000, 2001, I, I have a very different way of viewing these years in that my, my, my reactions are a lot more emotional and visceral than I... I don't remember the kind of narrative of games, but more the narrative of myself watching them. And I think a few. I think the 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 semi final of one of the cups against Tranmere 
I was watching on one of those portable TVs with the aerial that I'd opened my dad's the uh, the window on my dad's Ford Sierra, not to brag, <laughs> and um, and it was poking out, and we were going somewhere. I can't remember where we were going, but I was desperately screaming at everything to uh, go our way, and it did. And um, we have an interview coming up with uh, Stefan Honcho. Uh, one of the sort of main defenders in in that season, who we we spoke to, and uh, I mean Mark and I spoke to Stefan, who has firstly just got the most lovely French uh, French accent, albeit Swiss, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but he's just got the the loveliest. <laughs> well, they sound the same. They sound the same. He speaks in French. Um, just doesn't lovely. matter. Now we're out. We need yeah. another, oh, another Brexit reference. It's, it's too early. Well, Thanks, so, sir. so is Switzerland. To be fair, they're actually I, a good example of how yeah. Yeah. to flourish yeah. outside the EU. I'd Again, like to um, <laughs> just a high level. <laughs> I'd like to thank you both for digging me out of that uh, slightly awkward hole there. Uh, yeah, Stefan Honcho, who was just lovely to speak to, and uh, he's coming up later. And also we have Football Facts or Football Fiction. If you're new to the podcast or Alfie, uh, you will all have three statements about this season. Uh, it'll be for me to work out which is the true one, the fact from the footballing fiction of the season. But if we just go back to the start of that season, Mark, the background, Julier and and... Uh, the season before and the lead up to what was going to be a, a, a probably a more memorable season than Liverpool fans could have ever have wished for. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think when you look back at Julio's early signings, obviously he'd, he'd had the spell as joint manager with Roy Evans and then taken over by himself. And his early signings were, were pretty horrific, really. And I, I don't, although he'd signed some good players going into this season, he signed a lot of bad ones. And I, and I don't think people would necessarily have, have seen what was to come. Um, you know, Jean-Michael Ferry was his, was his first one, Freud Kipper, Rigobert Song, Jimmy Traore, Eric Meyer. And we also signed Gregory Vignal. Uh, Biscan was one that season. Ziga, who didn't particularly work out. Biscan was great. Really? Yeah. He, he wasn't. Really? Well, I have great memories of Biscan. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Barmby, again, you know, not, not massively worked out. But but he also signed Gary Mack, Babel, who made a big difference. Uh, and obviously you've got Hepia Honcho, we've mentioned Smeets, uh, Vestival did come in. So the basis was there. But I don't think going into that season, correct me if I'm wrong, Alfie, you would have gone in thinking, you know, special season coming up. Um, I think I was excited by... I was definitely excited by Christian Zieger. I was definitely excited by Yari Littmanen. And Littmanen was the, was, was the disappointment. A player that always had lots of quality on the ball but didn't affect games in quite the way that you'd want to. Christian Zieger I have great memories of but I can't, th- th- this is the weird thing about remembering seasons like this, yeah. is because I remember him being great against Roma and me sitting and watching that on a 14 inch TV going nuts, because it was the only TV in the house that could receive Channel 5 <laughs> I remember I, I love <laughs> your your intricate details of the, the actual TVs that you watch e- each game on, which actual TV it was all on All of these kind of, vividly remember these different rooms that I've watched these things in uh, because they were such... And the humble brags keep on coming. Yes, <laughs> a Sony 14 incher and it's from, it's from corner to corner, that's how you measure a TV, it's always, it's not the width, you always think it's the width, it's not it's corner to corner, that's how you measure a TV listen it's much easier in the uh, square days of TVs, wasn't it? It's now yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was... So no, we didn't. We didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming. That's exactly what you asked. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look back on that season, there's obviously the three cup finals, which we'll come on to in a moment. But um, at what point did you start to think, oh, this is this is turning into a pretty good season when special things were happening? Were there any games that really stood out in that season that you thought, oh yeah, I, I quite like the look of this team? We beat Man United twice in the league that year. That's something you don't easily forget. And also throughout the season, the emergence of Gerrard, even in those 
those shaven-headed days, you could still tell he had a very pronounced forward-facing hairline. <laughs> <laughs> um, we played the uh, home to United. We it was an onslaught. I seem to remember from the word go. We were uh, we 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 displayed the ferocity that in the years to come he would embody, and he drove the ball. I mean, hard into the net. And I remember spanking my walls with delight. And then the, there was the Danny Murphy free kick that uh, he got on the edge of the area. Was that where, was that the same one where Gary Neville sort of tried to play volleyball yeah. with it? Yeah. Yeah. Cut to um, like and, uh, and then he put that away. And I, I, I put the newspaper clippings up on my wall of uh, Danny Murphy wheeling away. A victory at Old Trafford. So there's those two games and generally the um, the, the emergence of Steven Gerrard and the goal he scored at Southampton from about 50 yards. I mean, an, uh, look it up. YouTube it. And Gary Mack's uh, free kick against uh, Everton in the final minute. That was uh, a big, explosive, unforgettable uh, for generations to come moment. And also a great cheat. Great cheat, Gary Mack. Yeah. Uh, that was pick- 150 yards, wasn't it, that free kick? Yeah, that was. He's behind the goal. I think he scored that from Elland Road. <laughs> <laughs> I love Gary Mack. It, I, I just love, you know. Yeah, it looked- is quite um, painful looking back as a Leeds fan at this because, you know, Gary Mack's 35 and a free transfer and absolutely brilliant. And you, and you look at the way Carragher and Gerard talk about him. And I, I was looking at an interview with Carragher and he says, if ever a player was made to play for Liverpool, it was Gary Mack, which is an incredible compliment. And then you think, why did Leeds let him go? Like, Five years earlier, we could have had five years of him. We had a pretty good brilliant. season that season, though. To be fair, and actually, well, were the architects of the most <laughs> painful, yeah, of of, of uh, Liverpool's fixtures in the league that season. You got in there first, rather than letting us bring it. Would have come. It would have yeah, come. come. But uh, um, yeah, the, the four three was, I think, the most. Uh, I re- I remember that I remember the goal going in and. and sinking and feeling very uh, dejected and it just looked like such an incredible moment didn't he start like humping the pillars and stuff and <laughs> Leeds fans were trying to get off with him well well, well, <laughs> well, well, if you score four goals against Liverpool in a 4-3 win I think you can go and hump whatever you want can't you I certainly don't admonish <laughs> going from victory to defeat in uh, a manner of minutes uh was absolutely horrible. Yeah, it was. What a was lovely horrible. celebratory podcast! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is what the Liverpool fans have come well, for. Well, we're, 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 I'm building in narrative. Oh, and, no, and, and it seems that we, we're, 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 we're sinking. This is Act Three. Yeah. You think it's not going to come good, but then in the end, little does everybody know, we actually win the treble. A tre- <laughs> treble. The treble. <laughs> and you mentioned Gerard and the emergence of Gerard. I mean, we've discussed before that. There is, I don't think there's anything better than watching a player. And become great for your club, but especially when they're your own player. That mm. is that as a fan, that is what everyone wants to see when your player, your yeah. lad, steps up to the plate and takes your team on to something special. They're at the forefront. That is the best feeling as a fan, I think. Uh, yeah, and I and I think there's certain characteristics that uh, the city of Liverpool as a civic collective embodies, and or at least would desire to embody, and he. Uh, uh, he has those all in abundance. As with Carragher, Carragher is always my personal favourite, um, but I, I, for reasons that I, I think I identify more with somebody without, without the specific talent, but with hard work can really make something <laughs> go for them. I, I don't think I ever think I was uh, I had anything God given in the same way that Gerard and his um, 
enormous thighs for a teenager. <laughs> um, I have to say, all the, the podcasts, we wanted to do this episode in series one, actually, and couldn't because the, the bloody guest was too young and didn't remember it. Um, but I went in a proper YouTube rabbit hole the other night watching, more so than any, any podcast we've done, watching clips of this season. And I, I've never felt more nostalgic. The, the, the baggy shirts, which we spoke about last week, but Gerard in particular, I don't remember him being so gangly. He was really gangly, and he had this, like... Like an ugly beauty to everything he did, he, he it was brilliant, but it wasn't it wasn't refined, if you like it. And like Alfie said before, he was just smashing everything. That that goal against Man United, you mentioned, it, honestly, it was. But there's a, a Barnby header from that season as well, where he seems to be about hundred yards in the air when he gets it mm. against Everton. Honestly, it was a good hour spent. We'll, we'll mention some more of the, the players in that squad because it was it was a great squad. But if we just Talk about those finals. Where were you watching? Did you get to them? Uh, what was that like? Who did you watch it with? I'm always fascinated to know where people have watched something. Well, I've already established it. The, the only TV in the house that you could watch them on, the 14. The only well, TV no, no, in the no, house. These, the, none of these but for finals the finals. were on Channel 5. Of course. Uh, I think uh, uh, the, the Carling, uh, or whatever. What, 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 Worthington, what, a proper sponsor. Worthington. The glory days. Ah, yes. When men were men and we drunk Sp- pints. The, the not Scott Scott drinks. old dirigible <laughs> cup final. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I think I had to go to a friend, ask a friend of a friend or something, somebody, whoever had Sky, and I had to go around and watch it. And I remember being incredibly underwhelmed by the uh, the Worthington Cup final because we should have won. It was against yeah. Birmingham, Birmingham, so it's and, not, you know. And we made it go through to penalties, and there wasn't really too much glory in narrowly beating a much worse side it was nice to have done it when we did it it was a league cup final a couple of seasons hence against united that was really <laughs> felt brilliant but i was i was talking to my friend last night about this on the phone because we were debating sorry to talk about the current day um whether or not you'd prefer like well, we, we, you know but you'd prefer the, to win the fa cup than to uh, go unbeaten in the league or to have the maximum points total you go, well not not really. I'd prefer to win the FA Cup if we scored a last-minute winner against United. But I'd prefer in the league if the FA Cup final was just going to be a 2-0 victory against Wigan or something. So it's, completely, it's the manner of it. It's the manner of it. Uh, what was the next final? FA Cup. FA Cup. And then, well, of course, the, the, the two other finals come fairly close together, don't they? Uh, well, I remember the, the FA Cup final was uh, at home. And that still felt like FA Cup final day. And it was still something that was... Uh, fun that you felt so excited to behold, and they, when the BBC did ninety eight hours of coverage, yeah, I, I remember watching it both my mum and my brother, and I felt quite relaxed early on. Arsenal being the better team all the way through the game. Uh, so when Owen did what he did, and I mean, it, it, it's a close to, it's always slightly just kind of disrespectful to the effort of a whole team to describe something as a one man victory, but. <laughs> This was, it wasn't even a one-man victory. It was one facet of one man, or two facets, speed and finishing. The wow. second one's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah the second one's like the a solo goal, and then he does the little front flip, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. Which is great. Yeah, it's really good. Really he was good. just heroic at that point. But. He was, and he would just, he'd come, he'd been out for ages with his um, devastated hamstring injury. <laughs> so to still have that pace and to be able to do that, and in that quite nice yellow away shirt, it was a great day. Uh, the Alaves uh, I recorded on VCR. I actually uh, put some sellotape over the the little recording bit yeah. and um, I'm stuck that in so it would record. So I watched it from my bed and what an incredible game. 
and that felt slightly anticlimactic, finishing with the own goal that he sort of headed backwards. Yeah. And in. a golden goal. And it was a golden goal as well. Yeah. I do like a golden goal. I like a golden goal. But they mm. didn't know that. Well, he kind of knew, but they had to be cajoled into, you know, into. Yeah, like the Cricket World Cup final, yeah. when they all sort of had to remember the rules to know whether <laughs> they won. Yes. But I did like that. I think the, but the problem with the golden goal, presumably, is because everyone was like, great, next goal wins. And then after a few, everyone was like, well, wait a minute, don't concede a goal. That was yeah. the issue mm. with the golden goal, wasn't it? And then you did tried it? the silver the goal. The silver which one, which was, was to half time, yeah, right? Which is just which is just the silver goal was one of the most appalling things that's. That's happened. Yeah, that was times. Ri- that was absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, it was a golden goal victory. Yes, and I had to kind of keep it very uh, still and quiet in my bedroom. So every, the rest of the uh, the family were asleep. I, I, I remember being giddy uh, with joy. And then I think when Saturday comes, my magazine came in the post, and there was a, a satisfying uh, cover that emblemised the glory and satisfaction that I'd felt up on um, the wall. Um, that didn't go up on the maker. Uh, no, that Danny Murphy's. Stay <laughs> no one not what a, what a nod to Danny that is you know what it I'm going to keep you up there mate yeah yeah. and I, I really liked Danny Murphy for some reason I, 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 again I think I liked him a lot because he was sort of in and out the uh, side until the age of 23 and I thought, thought oh maybe it's okay if you don't and, you know, in the midst of all my expulsions from different schools, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe it's OK if you're sort of shit for ages. And <laughs> things then, will turn good in the end. Things will turn good in the end, if you uh, if, if you believe. Rob, yes. when, you, when you look at that squad, uh, Rob, what, who, who are the players that you sort of pick out and you think, yeah, great memories? Well, I've uh, I've got a little bit of a, uh, a guilty confession to make. So I, so I was only seven at the time of this season. I think I turned seven on the League Cup final. And... Um, I wasn't massively into football at this time. I was probably into like Power Rangers for far too longer than I should have been. But um, uh, are you over that yet? <laughs> not really, if I'm being honest. So I wasn't really, I wouldn't really consider myself a Leeds fan at the time. So if anyone asked me what team I support, because my favourite colour was red, and my dad would just not have Man United quite rightly mentioned in, in my yeah mentioned in the house, I would say Liverpool, which I'm kind of feel quite bad about. But that was basically because the only two footballers I knew were Michael Owen. And Robbie Fowler, who Michael Owen that year, as we've said, he was just absolutely outrageous. And you forget how young he was as well. And he was just this incredible, like, he was England's best player, so I loved him. And uh, funnily enough, the only time I got tagged in the uh, group WhatsApp recently was a, a question asking what name I used to go by. And it, is, it was actually Robert. But when I was a kid growing up, I was known as Robbie. So I, I just, again, assumed Robbie Fowler was a brilliant footballer. Which he was. Which, yeah, he was. And, and that, but that season's kind of weird for him. I mean, he scored 17 goals. He scored in two cup finals. He won three trophies as, as captain for a few of them as well. And you, so you think that's a, like an amazing season. But it's weird now looking back that Emil Heskey was so good that Robbie Fowler yeah. couldn't even get in the team. And also his two cup final goals, they should be winners, but then they conceded a stupid penalty to... Birmingham and it, it was an amazing goal he scored in the final as well that like dipping ball that's a great goal yeah, that so the, so yeah, good cup, wasn't yeah that was in the league cup and then in the UEFA cup final he comes on and scores the uh, goal to make it 4-3 so again you think perfect that's like a fairy tale finish to the season Robbie Fowler the, the local hero coming on to score the winner and then Geordie Cruyff scores an equaliser yeah. or something like on and it just kind of you know pisses all over well, the like, that, when as I say I was down the, the, the Liverpool YouTube rabbit hole my main takeaway from that was Sander Westerveld was absolutely shit mm. every goal that went in against them in a crucial moment that Geordie Cruyff one was he was just like beat to a cross and Geordie bloody Cruyff had it <laughs> he was he was he was pretty bad, but that's a great point. Like Fowler, not even first choice striker, who's backup. He got seventeen goals. Owen got twenty four. Heskey got twenty two. And this was like a, ta- a, a team that was accused, as I remember, being quite 
negative, a little bit defensive because Julio would play centre-miles at full-back and things. They scored 127 goals that season. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they, they played, played 300 they, games. Yeah, they played 63 games, 25 cup games, but 127 goals. That's absolutely incredible. And they just drama in every single game, like in the finals, wasn't there? I seem to remember Robbie Fowler in that season being visibly less mobile than he had been, and because he was coming off the back of a, 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 a shit of a knee injury. Yeah, he, he he blamed that injury for sort of ruining his career, basically. Yeah. Again, he was still really young, yeah, really, when thing, he got he it. Looked, like him and Owen were so good at such a young age, and then because of injuries, it just kind of yeah, petered but he out looked visibly bit. sort of out of shape. And Emil Heskey, that was such an exciting season, and him against Derby when he gets that hat trick and uh, I think debuts his crap DJ celebration. <laughs> uh, he just looked absolutely unstoppable, so powerful and quick, and I can't really remember ever seeing a player having seen a player like I mean I'm sure there were players like him previously but he was the first one of that type of that pace power uh, combination that I can really remember and a really satisfying thump into the top corner <laughs> against Derby really taught the ball a thing or two about being a ball well uh, he scored 22 goals that season Owen got 24 and won European player of the year Emil he should have been in with a shout <laughs> two <laughs> goals away I know two more was that Owen's Ballon d'Or season mm. yeah it's yes, lovely uh, I do want to ask the question because it was mentioned in the WhatsApp group when we were talking about this podcast that someone wanted to mention a dildo <laughs> and I was like you what so who would like to take the dildo that would be me okay um, go for it go for uh, it so the, so the story is it goes to the UEFA Cup final in Dortmund against Alaves and it's such a crazy crazy game and I think it's three all at this point certainly in the second half anyway because Robbie Fowler's warming up to uh, to come on and Gary McAllister's taking a corner so he's warming up sort of next to him and they just hear this thud Hit the ground next to them. A satisfying thought. And, they, uh, <laughs> and, they, and Gary Mack turns around and sort of looks at Robbie Fowler and goes, is that? And Fowler just goes, yeah, that's a massive dildo. And uh, Fowler flicks it up with his right foot and volleys it with his left back into the crowd and he says it's the sweetest connection he made all season. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I was just researching this again before Imagine we... Imagine that, flying towards you. <laughs> well, towards I like that speed. It's gone to a part of the crowd where it hasn't come from. Yeah. So, so for context, if you've thrown it, you might expect it to come back. But if you're in a slightly different area, no context to just a, a dildo flying was, towards your head I, when you're holding a pie or whatever they've got over in, uh, I was, in I Dortmund. Was looking back at this uh, just before we came here and we tweeted something out about it two years ago or whatever and I've only just seen it out but so, someone replied to us with a picture of the, the fans outside the stadium with, with the dildo and I mean to be fair I'm not surprised it made a thud because it's like the size of my arm I'm not even kidding <laughs> it. it's massive Robin, Robbie Fallon when he's not finishing himself he's helping other people <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, more on the way including uh, football fact football fiction but first let's hear from one of those defenders uh, who made such a contribution and such an important partnership in that treble winning season here's what happened when Mark and I caught up with Stefan Honcher Stefan, thank you so much for joining us on the Broken Metatarsal. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. No problem. When you look okay. back at that 2001 treble winning season, uh, what are the first things that come to your mind? There must be some amazing memories for you. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you know, winning uh, three trophies in the space of, uh, of what, two months, uh, it's just something incredible. You know, probably the win over Arsenal in, uh, in Cardiff in the FA Cup final is the first thing who comes uh, into my mind, you know, when I, when I look back. Um, and Stefan, uh, you know, to win any trophy, you have to have a good defence. You also have to have a good keeper. Um, it turns out you could do both, as we found out in that final. No, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> I always uh, get the stick, you know, from the Arsenal fan and, uh, and the famous uh, handball. 
I was I was I was in a way lucky because uh, probably now with the VAR uh, today they would have the referee would definitely have take a look. Hardly touched and, your arm, uh, Stefan. Don't worry about it, mate. Hardly touched it. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't going in the goal or anything like that in an FA Cup fight. <laughs> so that's why. Uh, that's why you know sometimes in life you have to be lucky, and um, and that's football, that's part of the game. And um, I was lucky. I was lucky myself because that would have been a, a penalty and uh, and a red card, and uh, at the end of the day it would have been a problem for the team as well. Obviously, it was quite early in the game. So yeah, I always get the stick for that, but uh, yeah, these things happen. If there are any Arsenal fans listening right now, be nice. Be, be nice to Stefan <laughs> if you bump into him in Starbucks or whatever. Buy him a coffee. It was a mistake. He didn't realise what he was doing. It, it kind of helps if you've got a Michael Owen up front as well doing the business and uh, putting away a couple of goals in the, the last 10 minutes, doesn't it? Of course, uh, Michael, uh, he was on fire all season, you know. So uh, he scored so many uh, great goals, vital goals. And uh, it wasn't different in that, in, in that final, uh, scoring two, uh, two great goals. Uh, especially the second, because Ignani scored by himself. Uh, you know, he passed uh, Adams and Kion, and with his left foot, Seaman as well. So, uh, yeah, he made the difference on that day. Did you think, Stefan, at the start, because in your first season at Liverpool, you hadn't won anything, the team hadn't won anything. Gerard Houllier signed some good players that summer. One in particular stood out for me, Gary McAllister, I thought was a great signing for you. Did you feel going into the season that you had a good team and you might do something special? Yeah, we definitely had a good team. And uh, remember joining Liverpool in 99. Uh, we had a couple of uh, few signings, good signings. Uh, we did OK in this season. And we could feel that uh, Gerard Houllier was building a, a strong team. Uh, we were getting better and better. I wouldn't say that I could imagine winning, you know, before the, the 2000, uh, 2001 season. We, we would win so many trophies. You know, I would lie if I would imagine that or say that. But we knew that we could compete. Uh, definitely the target was to finish in the top, in the top three. Then obviously you have the the cup and the cup it's always a, a big chance for silverware. As the season progresses and the cup, you know we are progressing in the cups. Uh, we took each game, you know, when it was coming, and we ended up winning uh, winning uh, three trophies. But before the season, I could not ever imagine winning so many trophies. If we talk about the league cup, like if we take it sort of in the order in which they came. Uh, we're going to have to do something here, Stefan, that Mark opposite is is not going to enjoy whatsoever because he's a Stoke fan. Stefan, so if I mention yeah. Stoke, yeah, well, he's, he's already laughing. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at you, Mark. Um, if, if I mention that, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was of course, uh, quite a big win. Was it? How many was it, Mark? Was it on that game? It was 8-0. Uh, and I don't, and eight and nil, I don't know nil. if you remember yeah. this, Stefan, but I was there that night and I will swear blind, we should have been 2-0 that night. So Peter Thorne hit the post and Kyle Lightbourne missed a sit of Peggy Orfexed was in the goal. That's correct. That's See? correct. Yeah. But I, I, I remember this, this game. Uh, it was a cold night uh, at Stoke. A cold and, night in uh, Stoke. Like, well, that's a surprise, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no surprise. Great. <laughs> but but uh, it, it's one of these games. Uh, after all, you know, uh, you realise it was, it was an important game. Uh, it wasn't an easy game. Obviously, after the after the game, you think yeah, it was easy, uh, something like eight nil, and uh, and stuff. But it wasn't. I think we started poorly. We could have conceded goals, but then we managed to come back in the game, and we did play well. 
uh, and the game was progressing. Uh, when you win away uh, at Stoke, like I said, difficult game. It gives you it give you confidence. I remember I think we played three or four days later against uh, Charlton at home. We won three 0 and um, get two clean sheet, and uh, it was like you know. Uh, starting point in our, in our season. So that's why I think this game against Stoke was important, very important. A good job for Marco with that. Like you started the game slowly, otherwise it could have been out, man. <laughs> I mean, eight with a slow start, mate. Yeah. And the final itself at Millennium Stadium, which became a, a very happy hunting ground for, for Liverpool. Even that, I mean, you were, you know, obviously really involved in the action there towards the end. I guess when you give away the penalty and Birmingham get back into it at that point, you're probably thinking, oh, what on earth happened here? What, what was going through your mind at that point? It's always difficult, uh, you know, when you concede, uh, when you concede a penalty, when you are the one who, who made a mistake, like uh, like I made a, a rash tackle, should have should have stayed on my legs. But it's always easy to say it after all. It was it was a game we should have won before going into into extra time. Really, Birmingham, you know, playing the championship, they, they were a good opposition, but. You know, I thought we were better, and then we had to go to extra time because, like I said before, made a mistake. Things happen, and then even in the in the extra time, we had two or three different on two or three different occasions they could have scored as well. So we had to go to uh, to penalties, and uh, I can tell you that you pray. You really pray before the penalties that you are going to win, especially when you are the one who made the mistakes and you could make your team uh, lose the trophy. So fortunate for me, uh, we managed to win on penalties. Uh, we'll come back to the final in, in just a moment, but there's so much to talk about because there's so much achievement in in that season. But just going back to that first trophy, the, the League Cup trophy, when you win the first piece of silverware, what was the feeling. Can you even sum up the feeling, both for you individually and as a squad, and and for the city, exactly what it was like that moment where you've done it, you've uh, you've won. I think it was very important because uh, Liverpool uh, didn't uh, didn't win uh, trophies before this one for I wouldn't say quite a long time, but for 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 a few seasons and for a club for a club like Liverpool uh, not winning. For a few seasons, any trophies, it's like uh, it's like me and a big drama. So, um, so it was sort of relief that uh, even it was only the the league cup, uh, we could win something. And uh, it was already in, uh, in February, end of February, when we won this uh, this trophy. It was a good achievement. We had won something. Everybody was was happy. But we knew that the season was far from over. I, I guess one of the amazing things about those three finals as well is the drama in all of them. There, there weren't sort of some finals just pass by and they're kind of neither here nor there, but these were all packed with drama. The League Cup one going to penalties, the FA Cup we've spoken about. And then uh, to yeah. top it all off, right at the end of the season, it couldn't have got... It was it was a bit ridiculous, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. The UEFA Cup final yeah. in Dortmund, 5-4 against Alaves. It, it's just... A mad game. You're cruising at one point at half time, three one up, really. Yeah. And then yeah. suddenly three all, four all. Uh, there's red cards. Yeah. There's golden goal. I mean, golden goal. Um, <laughs> just an incredible game of football. What was it like to be involved in? That's that's probably that's one of these classic game. I remember before before the game, before the final, people were saying it will be the most boring final ever. We knew that we were quite strong defensively. 
we were not taking too much risk and uh, Alaves reached the final more or less by playing the same uh, the same type of uh, of football. After winning the FA Cup, we played this final four days later in Dortmund. I must say we were quite confident. We played uh, Alaves after beating Barcelona, so I think we had reason to be to be confident. And uh, and after 15 minutes, uh, we were already uh, tuning up. So it's a bit like it was too easy. If I remember on the pitch, you know, when you start the final after 15 minutes, you you tune it up, you think, wow, that's you know, it's quite, that's quite easy. Uh, then they score. We still managed to score the three-one before halftime. And when we came back in the dressing room at halftime, you know, spirit was high. We had more or less the feeling nothing can, nothing can happen. We can score when we want. Is it maybe a bit overconfident? Maybe. I don't know. You know, sometimes... It does sound a little bit, to be fair, Steph, on the way you're describing it. Yeah, from all yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can score where we want. I, yeah, it's I, kind I, of I easy. don't know. <laughs> you know, that's really, that's really the, 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 the feeling of this first half when we're on the pitch at, at half time. Even the manager is going to remind you, and that's what Joe did, be careful the first five, ten minutes because there will be a reaction from Alaves and all that. You listen, but you know, human beings sometimes huh? you need to remember, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, after 15 minutes in the second half, they came back 3 2 3 3, and then we were a bit shocked because we were not, you know, really uh, we are not ready for that. Fortunately, we still managed to score. Robbie, if I remember, 4 3, and they came back once again 4 4, and uh, and it was extra time once more. We knew everything could happen especially because this rule, uh, the golden goal. Uh, you know that you cannot take too much risk because one mistake and, uh, and the trophy was gone. And, uh, and we know what, what happened, huh? this, uh, this free kick from Gary Mack. And he went straight in. I don't think every player realized straight away we won the trophy because we're not used to win it by, uh, by uh, this rule, the golden goal. So uh, it probably took a few seconds to, to realize Yes, we score, but we can celebrate really straight away. We won, uh, we won the UEFA Cup. Now, talking about celebration, Stefan, now you had been bought off that game early, hadn't you? As, yes. as Gerard went for the win. Now, I presume that was just tactical, yeah? I, I, must, I must admit, uh, at the end of the season, the tiredness after playing so many games, uh, it wasn't my, my, my best game, to be, to be honest with you. I noticed, and it was a big Premier League game a few days later, the last game of the season. I noticed you didn't play. Yeah. Did your celebrations get a little out of hand that night? <laughs> <laughs> no, not to, to be honest with you, not, not that much. Because we played, uh, we played the, the Wednesday night uh, in Dortmund. And we were playing again Saturday afternoon for a club kickoff at, uh, at Charlton. Uh, we couldn't really celebrate much. Like we did, you know, after the game uh, in Cardiff against Arsenal, we had a meal, all, uh, everybody together with their wife and girlfriend once again. And then everybody went, uh, went to bed because uh, once again, this, this game against Charlton, in a way, was maybe the the biggest game of the season it's a bit ridiculous to say it's only Charlton away but we had to win to uh, to qualify and finish third in the league 
Um, Stefan, thank you so much for joining us and, and reminiscing about, I mean, it can't be too much uh, hard, hardship for you to reminisce about winning three cups in a season, can it? But, but really, so nice to speak to you uh, and to find out a little bit more about that treble winning season. Uh, and thank you for being a part of the Broken Metatarsal with us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. So there you go, the thoughts of Stefan Honcho. Anyone uh, else regretful now in hindsight that we didn't... Uh, Ask him about the dildo situation. <laughs> over in, Good point. Yeah, we, we should, should have, have really done that, shouldn't we? Uh, you also owe Pete, uh, who is uh, on some of the podcasts and uh, is currently pressing buttons for us at the moment, an apology. Yeah. It did turn out on the WhatsApp group that the phone call to Stefan Honcho, oh, yeah. he was abroad at the time. So how much did it end up costing me? <laughs> like 38 quid. 38 quid <laughs> for us to speak to He's going to get that. You're going to pay him back, right? We'll see. There's negotiations ongoing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's lots to kind of deconstruct, really, from that. The thing that I found really interesting is that Despite, you know, we talking about this podcast, it's about the treble winning, uh, treble winning season and three cups. But actually, their focus the whole time, it wasn't really on the cups. It was, we've got to finish third. That, that was the goal for the season. And even when they win the League Cup, it's like, great, but we've still got to finish third. And even the FA Cup and even the, the, uh, the UEFA Cup, they've still got this game against Charlton and they've got to finish third. That was yeah. the aim for the season. It wasn't confirmed to the last day of the season against Charlton, was it? And we won 4-0. And I remember the celebrations with each goal that went in absolutely going off, you could see how much it uh, meant to them. And I can sort of understand that because the Cups are a, you know, that's that's as, as well as you can possibly do in each one of those competitions, obviously, is winning the thing. That's why it exists. But to move up a level, to kind of graduate, to get into a competition that they weren't previously in uh, was obviously, you know, it's obviously what the owners want because it's where the where the money is. So I, I, I remember that. And, and there was another good When Saturday Comes cover about that, <laughs> uh, which uh, was all of the fo- uh, Liverpool fans climbing on each other's backs, going, almost as good as Arsenal. Uh, not, not a chance of knocking Danny Murphy off the wall there, I, is it? No, 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 no. no. Do I, you know, still, I just took umbrage at it. Actually. Do you still have a Danny Murphy poster on your wall? <laughs> no, I've, uh, I've got the Guardian cover from the Champions League victory last year. And, oh, um, uh, and Ben Stokes. I, I, at that time, just had, a, as well as Danny Murphy, uh, Ivory from WWF. I liked her. Yeah, more of a jet man myself, but, you know, jet. each to their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, Jet's um, Gladiators. So what did you say? I said uh, Ivory from WWF. Oh, sorry, completely different. I was, a, tr- I was a Trish Stratus guy. Oh, yes. Yeah, different but, time. But this is a different podcast, I think, so... Mm. <laughs> Can we do a bit more on that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've, we've gone off. We seem to have gone off topic. Um, no, but back to back to the football and Liverpool's treble winning season. The other thing I found really interesting about that was uh, how openly he spoke about the fact that at, at half time in the UEFA Cup final, yeah. they're sort of sat around quite. He said overconfidently, thinking we'll just go and score another goal. It's three one. This game's almost done and dusted. You don't often hear players speak quite so honestly about that. And I don't think that often happens in games either. Mm. But obviously they come off beating Barcelona, as we spoke about. That was the big game, wasn't it? The semi-final. Yeah. And they're 3-1 up in the final. I just think, well, it's done and dusted. And it absolutely wasn't. And how maybe that mentality contributed to it. I'd love to compare that team talk to the one that they had in Istanbul. Because there's quite a few of the same players there, Haman and Gerard and stuff. The difference is just sauntering around. So this is done, isn't it? We've got a Saturday. Is it, is it Charlton? Yeah, it's Charlton. Yeah, what, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. Lads, it's half time. We don't need to win this game. Yeah. And uh, they did, but only just. Yeah, I, I mean, I sort of. It, it's. Because you, when you're the player, it's not just about the score, is it? I mean, 3 1, but it could have been a hard 3 1. So you can sort of understand if yeah. you're, like, you're all going. Jesus, like these are these are bad. Like this is a bad. We're against these. Are, these are crap. We're going <laughs> to roll them over. And even though they did become complacent in the second half and concede 
three goals, uh, they still managed to score the goals that won them the thing. So I mean, kind of right. It's uh, it's yeah, they they were right. They could basically kind of go to sleep and still win it. Uh, But yes, good of him to admit that. A nice candid interview. So it was a it was a valid overconfidence then. It seems so. It seems so. Absolutely. Uh, anyone, any more for any more on Liverpool's treble winning season before we uh, go into football fact or football fiction? I did just want to mention, which we didn't cover. Uh, we, we, in fact, we didn't really touch on the Barcelona game, which the home game was phenomenal. Because that, again, was a, I think they finished fourth in, in La Liga. So it wasn't a phenomenal Barca team, but they still had Rivaldo and you know, Guardiola and players like that. Um, but Guardiola, sorry, Guardiola. You could compare him to Guardiola. Gary Mack scored the penalty, obviously, and then I think Puyol had been giving him a bit, of, you know, a bit, a bit of sledging in the, in the, you know, as he prepares to take it, and um, and obviously he scores it, and he just proper gets in his face. You, not in that voice, in the Scottish accent. But. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I genuinely wasn't sure who you were doing an impression of. Then it could have been either of them. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to try, but just a great moment if you want to watch back his celebration to that. Um, to that goal in Puyol's face, I yeah. think is is one of the moments. And there's a really good uh, hoodie season. you can buy with um, Steven Gerrard um, waving his fist in a dejected Pep Guardiola's <laughs> face. Brilliant! It's uh, it's actually on my shopping list of things to purchase. Uh, When's yeah. your birthday? Tenth uh, of April. Okay, that with a Danny Murphy new poster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> a <laughs> new Danny Murphy poster, please. <laughs> okay, let's do a bit of football fact or football fiction. Uh, Mark, Alfie, and Rob all have a statement, a, uh, a footballing fact uh, about this treble-winning season. But only one of them is a real fact. The other two are totally made up. They are fiction. My job and your job listening is to work out the fact from the fiction. So we will start with today's guest. Um, no, in fact, in fact, we won't actually. I'll give you a moment. We will start today with Rob. Rob, what have you got? Well, there's no surprises why I've been given this one, but uh, <laughs> it's regarding Gary McAllister again. And so sometimes he was quite unpopular among the Liverpool dressing room because he kept telling his teammates to encapsulate, and I quote, the spirit of Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Gary McAllister was a title winner with Leeds in 91-92. Uh, the last champions before it turned into the Premier League. Absolutely. Uh, and that was similar. So Gary McAllister's got sort of saw himself at Liverpool as like a Gordon Strachan figure, as Strachan was at Leeds. Strachan was the older head, um, sort of leading youngsters like David Batty and Gary Speed and setting the example in midfield. And McAllister thought of himself as like that and he wanted to engender that spirit. No one wants that. No one wants a load of people just harping back to the old days, do mm. they? Like, oh, that's us now. Uh, like, I'm fascinated <laughs> by hearing about David Batty as a youngster. <laughs> One of these people that I imagine was never a baby. <laughs> created a 35-year-old man. Um, right, so Gary Mack was unpopular because he kept asking uh, the squad to invoke the spirit of Leeds. Yes. Um, which means a, a very different thing these days. <laughs> yes. Okay, Mark, what have you got? Okay, so one of Gerard Houllier's travelling traditions as in what he did for every away game. Uh, a, lot of man- a lot of managers have these little traditions. His was to eat the same brand of wine gums. I don't know how many different brands there are, but he was insistent on this one. But also argue, has to be argue, tactics with Phil Thompson. So a good old row about tactics. So he'd like to have wine gums and argue about tactics. Specific brands and yes. Argue. Who did we speak to on a podcast? It was Graham Stack, wasn't it? He was. Who said that on for the Invincible season? Who said that Arsene Wenger used to confiscate, confiscate his, 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 his originals? <laughs> that was it on the coach. So, so I can buy into this. 
idea that there is a, a kind of superstitious suite mm. that they're involved in. And he also likes to, did he, would he just have the arguments for the sake of it because it was just part I of think, getting yeah. everyone motivated and yeah. good to go? No, no, no. It, it was just him and Phil Thompson together in solitary confinement. They would just have an argument. Just with have each an argument. Just get the juices flowing, get the ideas going. But the, he liked to, you know, encourage Phil Thompson to sort of pick fault in his tactics and get a bit of a, Tom, an Tom, argument going. Thompson told him not to sign McAllister. So they did have disagreements and he would often go above his head. He's probably worried Phil about Thompson him coming would, in and saying, invoke the spirit of Leeds, <laughs> lads. Invoke the spirit of Leeds. Okay, Alfie, what have you got? Um, Gary McAllister was so popular he was able to uh, wear his own dressing gown in the changing room, which no other player was allowed to do. I think for uh, for at uh, that time, and I said it was respectfully, an old stager yeah. like Gary Mack, if you want to wear your, your own dressing gown, if you want to be a little bit comfier, yeah. then you should be allowed to. You've achieved enough in your career that if you want to gown it up in the changing room, you should be allowed to do that. I can I very much believe that could be the agree. case. Mm. We already established he's got scoliosis as well, so you know he needs to look after himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you think? Did he team it up with slippers? Do you think? Um, I think he probably had a kind of a mug of cocoa, uh, <laughs> and, um, and that was that was what I frequently always imagined uh, when when Roy Hodgson lost his job. I always used to uh, at Liverpool. I used to imagine him crying into his cocoa. Uh, about <laughs> sort of the, the best moment of his uh, career passed him by, and then probably again. Uh, England probably meant a lot, great deal to him as well, and he probably cried again, again into his sad, into his owl tears into the same. <laughs> oh man, the same cracked. That's Chip. a sad. That's a Chip. sad thought. That that's it, a sad it depends thought. what you think of Roy Hodgson, but yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, right. I, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't care other, other than anything of an image of Gary <laughs> McAllister in a dressing gown in the changing room, and the fact that he had special dispensation to do that. I'm not interested in any other fact or fiction statements other than that one. Alfie, tell me it's true. I, I'm afraid that. It's. I made it up. It's false. Oh no, that's upsetting. Sorry. In that I'd case, like it to be true as well. I think that's probably why I said it. It may have been. I say. Well, we, it may have been true. What it hasn't been reported on. In that case, unverified. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Rob. I'm afraid I have made this up as well. It's not Mark again, is it? It is. Ironically, the one time I was telling the truth, you thought you thought I was. Wait, what? what? Huh? No, the one time no, he was telling the truth, he thought he was. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> You're a terrible. You right? <laughs> I'm really good at this. You never, you never get it right. <laughs> that, that doesn't make the statement and sentence. No, you said. I said the one time I wasn't telling the truth. You thought I was, which is, which is, which is right. We get. You are telling the truth. I am today, but I said the one time I wasn't telling the truth. You, you predicted that I was. No, I um, didn't predict you were telling the truth. That's my point. <laughs> Every time I tell the truth, you don't believe me. But when uh, you I are telling the truth, I, I am telling the truth. I still don't believe you. But I am. <laughs> I you know I am because these are full, you've already established that. I basically never believe you is what we're saying. No. I don't know what to believe anymore. Nobody does. Nobody does. But I am telling the truth. So that's it. Julio likes to have an argument with Phil Thompson. Yeah. Whilst eating wine gums. Or, the same brand. Or... or, or yeah, a specific kind of. I brand. wonder how many different brands there are. You can get knockoff ones in like corner shops, can't you? Yeah. yeah. They're always a bit yeah. tougher. Oh, okay. Mm. So that adds a bit, of, a bit of texture to it that Tomo is going in to get him his wine gums. He's coming back with, 
knockoff supermarket. What what you what you're doing? Oh, yeah, that's what the arguments about. Why don't you get me the? We earn enough money that you yeah. can you can get me with the proper ones here. Yeah, but they weren't the there, gaffer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this episode, by the way, was brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk. We've got our own code for you as well, TBM Index, to trade with a five hundred pound money back guarantee. New customers only, eighteen plus. Thank you very much, uh, as always, Rob and Mark. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. And uh, Alfred, good luck with the impending success for Liverpool. Thank you so much. Which might be relevant, not in the future, but it is. It is now. So that's uh, that's all good. Yeah. Thanks very much. It's uh, it's uh, there's lots to be really excited about, and uh, I hope everybody has a pleasant life. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, we'll leave things here until the next time on the Broken Metatarsal. <laughs> <laughs>